0: To a special edition of uh, Third Power, In Contention, and MTG Cast, and Monday Night Magic, and about no, ninety uh, and Mr. Suitcase, and ninety other podcasts, uh, we are here interviewing uh, Zach Hill of Magic R&D. Well, if you want to introduce yourself, feel free. Hi, I'm Zach Hill from Magic R&D. We're talking <laughs> about a very special episode. Uh, what am I getting myself into? Right. So. Uh, I'm Ruben Bressler. I am uh, a member of In Contention. I'm here with Usman Jamil.
1: Yep, howdy. Uh, Anthony's still.
0: Anthony's still grinding his legacy tournament.
1: I was going to go for the awful. He's still in contention. Oh, he's still <laughs> in well, uh, He is
0: still in what what contention. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we have Eric from MTG cast and Monday Night Magic and Mr. CK yeah
2: so I'm, I'm here all kinds of places
0: and so we are here talking a very special episode talking about MTGOQ awesome and we just had you know we, there hadn't really been any discussion between the community and R&D, talking specifically about the MTGO Cube, and we just wanted, we you know, we figured we'd just sort of glaze over it and see if there were any, uh, you know, we, we had questions yeah, that sounds we thought great. for sure you could answer. Now, you, just uh, full disclosure, this, uh, disclosure here, you did not work on the MTGO project, yes?
3: I play-tested the Cube, and I... have I was neither the lead designer nor lead developer, but I had a fair amount to do with the cube's construction as well as the playtesting of the cube before we knew we
0: were going to do it specifically for Magic Online. Okay. So so it would kind be of fair to say easier. that you're sort of like, uh, you would be part of the design team. Like if this
3: were a right. set, right. Right. you exactly. were
1: part of the design team. That is a great way of putting it. Or All right. Future, future League, maybe? Yeah, right.
3: uh, m- right. More or less, yes. Okay. I've played probably 900 50 cube drafts in my life. Sure. So I've, I've done this a few times. So
0: we're coming up on four digits there. <laughs>
3: so
0: um, we had a couple questions, mostly having to do with specific cards that would then lead to wider subjects. Yeah. So I think a good place to start off, we I have the list pulled up here, and we're starting in white. And the first card that, that sticks out to me is Burnt and Forged Tender. Yes. And in more of a general sense, um, archetype-specific hate. Would, do you have any uh, input on Forge Tender or archetype specific hate, just in general? Yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh, one of the things that's really important about cubes that I, I actually think is a critical thing to understand is just like any other draft, you want there to be cards that are designed to be picked early, cards that are designed to be picked in the middle of attacking, cards that are designed to be picked late. Now, one of the other things about cubes, sort of its defining attribute is, you play a deck of 23 spells and 17 land-ish, and so you know, you're, there's a a lot of the value comes from getting the marginal return on whatever that other slot may be. So if you draft 30 cards for your main deck, you're just not going to be able to play 7 of them and so you've in essence wasted those picks. If instead of your 26th best main deck card, you draft an extraordinarily powerful sideboard card, you actually get a lot more value relative to the quality of that other card because you bring it in yourself sub- matchups, where it's like the eighth best card in your deck. So Burlington Forge Tender is a great example of a card that like, you're probably not going to main deck most of the time, but has tremendous value against mono-red decks and decks that are trying to beat you with red. red. Like Wildfire, yeah. Exactly. And uh, additionally, I tend to find mono-red be- to be very, very powerful in most cubes, yeah. like disproportionate to how good it seems. Sure. So we wanted some stuff specifically directed against that deck, as well as some cards that you can take middle to late of the pack and still
0: see
1: and be very Return. good
0: value.
3: Sure.
1: Exactly. And there were some other cards. Uh, I don't know if it really follows the line of, sure. but it was kind of like I noticed some cards like play, played a Geopede, uh Core Skyfisher, mm-hmm. some like cards that aren't like super home run hitters, but I guess are kind of like I don't know. I suck at sports analogies, but maybe like. Good A solid nice singles hitter. Yeah, yeah a guy <laughs> that yeah, right. yeah,
0: yeah. like goes home. three for four, you know, instead of being like one for four with a home run. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Each row. And we're, right, like, right.
1: we're like Jace the Mindsculptor, or Goblin Guide, or like the, you know, Babe Roots, or right stuff exactly. like that. And so I don't, that's one of the things I noticed was like, yeah, the Sergeant like, yeah, like Skyfisher and uh, GOP, those are the main two I could think of, but yeah, and
3: there's a lot of stuff like that I mean again like uh, something an attribute you want to have in a pack is let's say you're down to the last six cards a lot of the time you want someone that's in a deck to be able to pick up a role player and be excited about it right right if you don't have any cards like that. A, the signaling's a lot harder because there's going to be just... It, it, it's going to be gradient... There's going to be a gradient of just more straightforward power level and people are going to be jumping around later because it's like, oh, this insane first pick later on in the draft. And there's going to be fewer meaningful decisions at different points in the curve because, you know, the, the player that is trying to get, you know, a core Sky type card, well, if that card's just a card of higher card quality, their archetype is not going to receive that card from the pack. Someone else is just going to take it higher. So you want some more narrow role players that's still sort of the brick and mortar of your set to deepen the tail of the pack as it rotates around the table. Sure.
0: That's fair. Alright, so the next card that I'm seeing that uh, sort of sticks out to me was uh, Loyal Retainers. Yes. Did you want to... Uh, now, for those of you that aren't familiar, you may be, you may not be, I don't know how this podcast is going to be posted, but uh, you may or may not know what Lord of Usain is. It's a Portal 3 Kingdoms Uncommon. Mm-hmm. It's two colorless and a white. Uh, once during your pre-combat main phase, you may sacrifice it if you do return target legendary creature from your graveyard to play. Um, that's a... It's, it's a lot of words <laughs> for pretty much just like you can sack it to replace it with a legend. Right. Um, there's some cool tricks you can do with it. And it's an interesting card, um, but it's not something that I often see in cube lists. It's definitely a very non-traditional pick.
3: Uh, One of the things we're going for with that is that, uh, you know, you can imagine a more traditional white removal spell. Most cubes have a lot of black reanimation in them. We wanted to give the reanimator deck a little bit to do beyond your traditional white cards, and we also wanted it to feel like you were getting away with something. So, like, compared to something like Resurrection, compared to something like Breath of Life, you know, you've got to jump through a little bit more hoops, but you also get rewards that you wouldn't get another card. Context. The big one, of course, is being able to reanimate the uh, giant, colorless Eldrazi, because you can put their ability on the stack in seconds. it. So, we thought that interaction is cool. There's also a number of other legends that are just in the set. And we felt that the added gameplay... We game wrapped Caleb Durward's legacy deck <laughs> from Columbus, yeah. Right, exactly. And so we felt like the added upside and draft sort of specificity that it has, because you have to now look for specifically legendary creatures, but you can get stuff like Progenitus and uh, Kozilek and things that you wouldn't be able to animate otherwise just adds more robustness and gameplay than a straightforward, you know, the, your sixth copy of a regular reanimation spell. Right. Plus, you can do weird things with it. Like, you know, it can hold with equipment if you're in a hybrid, like, uh, you know, one of the decks I, I like to define is like a sword deck where you're like kind of a control deck or you're kind of a reanimator deck but you pick up a sword of fire Ice or a sword of body in mind and so you want to have like six creatures in right. there just to like do something with that. So it, it, to me, it just I mean, adds... Randomly get you like
0: back in eight and a half tails or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So it's just a value kind of kind of guy. Um, sorry, sorry. The, the fo- our list turned off. Um, so the, the next card I want to talk about. And you guys are feel free to look through the list if you guys got one that's coming up.
2: Right, and on lower retainer, I'm wondering if that's something that Wizards is better able to identify as an interesting cube card just from the fact, like, developing Master's Edition online as well. I know that, like, in the recent Master's Edition, you brought up uh, a bunch of the Portal 3 Kingdom type of guys into that. And is that kind of something that lends itself to the development in that way?
3: It's, it's certainly no accident that the lead designer of this cube product was Tom LaPelli that designed Master's 3 and Master's 4. It does help you look for some of those cards you may not see otherwise, and cards you may not see in real life cubes, because, you know, they're just extremely rare cards. So, you know, there's not a lot of Portal Three Kingdoms going around.
0: Right. So the next one I want to talk about is Magus of the Tabernacle. Yeah. Now, we briefly discussed this yesterday. Magus of the Tabernacle is what I refer to as a, quote-unquote, unfun card. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is not that... Some people don't have fun playing Magus of the Tabernacle. I'm sure there's a lot of players that right. do. However, the general populace of Magic players tend to look at cards like, Magic, like Magus of the Tabernacle as unfun. Right. Um, and you put it in a format that is typically looked upon as the fun format. Like, people don't really cube for, you know to grind out planeswalker points. you know Right, what I mean? right. So, uh, I want if you could talk for a moment about cards like Magus Tabernacle. There's a couple others in here that I can't really think off, yeah. off the top of my head, but like, like Magus and Tabernacle. It's interesting to
3: me that you would define cube as the fun format because I tend to define cube as the fun competitive format. And what I mean by that is that you get a lot of strategies in cube that are not what we had traditionally
0: defined as That's fun. We I suppose the fun format is more like prismatic and EDH and pauper, maybe, but even... Yeah. In- like really cat like yeah. Cat- I mean, to me, the fun format
3: is me and my four friends have our seventy-two card green black decks, and I'll play them against my other friends' red white deck, and like you just cast spells, right? right? Like the more enfranchised you get, the more fun becomes sort of dependent upon what it is you're looking to get out of the experience. Something about cube is that a lot of the fun it, for me and for a lot of the people that I've played with, and I've played with a lot of different cubes all around the country, is the meta strategy. How you sort of draft and compete and hedge against the powerful things that your opponents are doing. A lot of times that involves cards like, you know, Strip Mine, Mana Drain, Crucible of Worlds, Rashadden Port, Tangle Wire, uh, so, you know, re a fatty out of the second turn of the game while well, I reanimate the islander—the gameplay of a lot of these cards is not the fun part. A lot of the times, doing the really powerful stuff that you don't get to do in other contexts, in a way that's comparatively fair to something like Vintage or Legacy, is the part that's fun. You get to play with a bunch of cards, you just don't get to play in other contexts. And one of the reasons we're doing this product is because we know that, you know, in our regular sense, we've simplified gameplay a lot, we've made it a lot more creature-based, we've reduced complexity dramatically, but we realize that the players that liked that before haven't disappeared, they haven't gone away. We just need to try and serve them from different angles. And so Cube has a lot of cards like Mags of the Tabernacle that are much more strategic cards. And cards that are the the value and the fun of them is in the meta gameplay rather than the gameplay itself. And I think you can find a lot of cards that fit that description.
0: Fair enough. All right. Do so you guys have any other uh, questions about white creatures since we're in white uh, right now? Not necessarily.
1: Uh, ever- uh, at least I guess it goes in the other question. You're talking mm-hmm. about like reanimation kind of things, mm-hmm. but you had loyal retainers, but I didn't see Karmic Guide I don't know, I was just kind yeah. of a bit confused by, like, I know you're saying you wanted people to jump through hoops or at least get some kind of reward for jumping through hoops, like, obviously. Yeah, and
0: Karmic Guide's one that's in pretty much every cube I've ever seen, at least, it, and it also goes really well with yeah, yeah, yeah. the Reveller and the
3: Defensor and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's definitely odd to me that Karmic Guide's not in the cube because it definitely has been at different points in time. It may have just been one of the last ones to get cut. I mean, one of the things about this cube that was deliberate is that it's 720 cards, which is enough for two eight-man pots. Uh, that, that isn't anything that's going to be reflected on Magic Online, obviously, because you can play as many as you want, but we figured, you know, some number of people are just going to be like, oh, cool, cube, we'll build this list. And so, you know, there's a lot of cards that work really well and do a lot of different things, and just when you only have 720, you have to make cuts somewhere. I think Karma, Karma is a perfectly reasonable card to have in cube. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it does some work. Um, you know... It, it just, just so to yeah. be yeah. yeah. Fair
0: yeah. enough. But, yeah. So, uh, the other uh, white creature, since we're going through them in order that I didn't really talk about, <laughs> is uh, one that's sort of been a... It's going to lead us into a much, much bigger discussion. Okay. Probably Thanks. earlier than we could have. But we'll, we'll go there now, which is either sworn canonist. Yes. Which brings us to two topics that are sort of separate, which we yeah. can sort of branch off. The first one is... Um, Hate cards in general for the non-linear strategies. Right. And Storm okay, being one of those strategies, being in the cube. And it also, you have have some other interesting things to say, so I'll just let you go ahead and talk on that. Sure.
3: Uh, The first thing, uh, I guess I'll just tackle that one at a time. Uh, One of the reasons I really like Aethershorn Canonist is it's a... Uh, card for the white aggressive deck that doesn't cost WW. Uh, What happens in a lot of cubes is that they have a lot more objectively powerful cards, but the white deck gets really constrained in terms of what it can do because you have to have two white mana to cast its two drops, so it's really hard to play WX. Either Sworn canonist, by contrast, is really easy to play WX. And the thing is, like, the marginal return on a lot of your two drops is much smaller relative to being able to cast your two drop. Like, the Quality differential between them is usually way less important than just being able to cast something on the second turn of the game.
2: Because he just yeah,
1: he's on a bash. Like right. Iron, Call, Iron Call orcs in the Fly Days. Exactly. He didn't care about his abilities. It's like take, take two, take two, take two.
3: That's exactly right. And the other reason that like like a lot of the white decks, they don't get the land destruction that the red decks have. They don't get the hand disruption that the black decks have. So they need incidental value hate in a lot of their permanents. Which is another reason that cards like even mindsets oh, yeah. good. Yes. Um, and, and that goes back again to cards like uh, uh, Burns and Forge Tender, Flash Freeze that are in the cube. Of like, let's say you're trying to hit out a particular strategy. It's it adds a decision that's not previously there to say, okay, after I sideboard, do I want a worse two drop that has a disruptive effect, or a card that I can board in that's really good against storm, versus you know just my seventh best two mana creature. So I think that adds a very interesting decision point. Uh, but
2: I, I don't. We cut you off on the point, but also.
1: in terms of the hosers, like the flash freeze, I noticed there weren't any really hosers that I'd consider unfair, like Karma right. or Gloom or Firewalker. Was, I would
0: I was, think is is bordering on yeah. unfair. A choke or right. boil or
1: anything. It was that intentional to not put any hosers uh, that would no. be too yeah. oppressive or anything like the that. Anarchy, anarchy. The anarchy oh wow, because,
3: <laughs> because like that's another one of the things, right? Where it's like a flash freeze card gives you a meaningful decision to make, like with seven or eight cards remaining in the pack. What you don't want is like I think that my friend best, you know, drafts blue a lot. First pick, choke. Okay. Like, in addition to the gameplay being even more miserable than some of the other kind of unfun cards in there, it's just, it's too good to be, you know, to, to, to add depth to the pack, which is what we're going for with a lot of the uh, the color, quote-unquote, hosers. Okay. You know, with Karma or something, it's it's more high variance and going to win you a higher percentage of games by itself. So we didn't want that many games to be... Exactly about
1: that. Would you find like the factor that like you know somebody playing, especially even somebody new to the format, would feel maybe cheated? Like, oh man, this guy just cast karma and I died. And you know that kind of player satisfaction factor, especially with a format that's pretty new to people like Cube. Do you think that was?
3: Part it's of really it? a factor. I mean, it's one of the reasons that we don't have you know just the power nine, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's Where right. it's just like, oh, and you're dead. You know, I mean, it's it's a balancing act of how much. You know, one of the reasons people play Cube is to do powerful things, but you've got to, uh, a lot of what we find that people like Cube for, and certainly one of the reasons I like Cube, is for extraordinarily powerful interactions between strategies. A card like Karma, a card like Chill, a card like Choke, they're not terribly interactive cards. They're interactive in the sense that they're dependent upon what your opponent is playing, but the gameplay style is very much like, do you have it, do, do you not? Yeah. And there's not a lot strategies can do about it, and that. Level of oppressiveness, I think, just is a little bit over the edge.
1: Would, would you say also? I, I'm sorry to keep going on. Yeah, handles. no. Would you fine. Feel that's the way about a uh, reason why say mode and uh, Jace Memory depth weren't in there. Also, like I, remember, I saw some cards that were like that uh, Mind Twist. There were some other ones that weren't right. included. I'm, I'm assuming it was for the same reason. Just someone going, "Oh, I couldn't beat that yeah. mode. I died."
3: Right. Mind it, it, Twist. It's it's sort of like a binary thing, right? Like for for card, the harder a card is to answer. answer the less you really want gameplay to hinge around do you have an answer to it or not, right? Because that's not an interactive contest. That's a kind of coin flip with a coin that your opponent is pulling out of their pocket, right? And, like, there's still going to be some cards like that. Like, even a card like Baneslayer Angel is going to beat people that can't answer. There's a lot more creature removal spells than there are answers to Mind Twist.
1: Same with, like, Batterskull. Yeah, right, precisely. So, oh, and a part two, I guess, about the storm. I guess this, to go back to the yeah, bring it back to that.
3: Oh, sorry, I forgot to address the part. Yeah, That's right. So you can yeah, I, I mean, I would storm say that us. I've drafted Storm
0: in this in this queue before, and it's been very good.
1: Okay. Well, uh, I, I'm, sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. He's he's done a bunch of uh, drafts on Tapped Out. Okay. And he's drafted like what twenty five
1: times. Twenty five yeah. times. Yeah. And he, and I just remember trying to force Storm in some of those drafts, and it just uh, yeah. the bots are on there are pretty stupid. Oh just yeah. To put, put it nicely, uh, very nicely. And, like, I, like, force Storm, tried to go really hard into it, nah. uh, like, Window Slam, Tendrils, and got pretty much what I thought was the nut Storm deck, just, like, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the the cogs, the Storm, it was, like, Tendrils, nah. tutors, things like that, but it just, when I played against somebody, it just fell flat. Really? And it just felt like, it just felt like a deck that didn't really, wasn't worth it. It just felt like, whenever I tried drafting, it's like, well, I could, you know, just try to draft Storm... Based on that one experience, I could try it and just end up with a deck that scrubs out in the first round versus like a control deck. Which, or an aggro deck it's not one of the more defined archetypes and just do better
3: sure I mean the, the one storm card that I first pick on a regular basis is empty the warrens which also is one of the most versatile it definitely isn't intended to be an environment uh, a deck where you say I'm going to draft this and then draft it a lot of the time what happens is you can realize people to your right are undervaluing Yawgmoth's will for example you can get a card like Lion's Eye Diamond comparatively late and it, it takes cards because the cards you are going to draft highly that are good in the deck are draw sevens card drawing, remand, man duress, thoughtsies, cards like that. So those are the cards that you're going to take early, and then you might wind up in the storm deck. But what we don't, we don't actually want to incent forcing storm and moving in because again that's very binary right like if two people say I'm going to force storm and go in then they're not going to have a deck
1: yeah it'll just be two bad decks
3: exactly so we would rather storm to be something that you gradually realize is getting past you rather than oh I have tendrils I'm going to force it and you know that that's a learning experience right so am I recommending first picking tendrils no I probably wouldn't would I first pick time spiral I absolutely would I would because I think, yeah, yeah okay, exactly but You can put something together. Now, was there any... Sorry. Was there
0: any discussion? With that said, Mm there seemed to be... Some pieces to the storm deck that are missing. Sure. The mana rituals, for example, there's seething song and that's basically it.
3: Or seething song, dark ritual. Th- I die sure. Dark is, ritual is there a is lotus there. petal in
0: there? Uh, yeah. There's lotus petal and there's lotus bloom, but there isn't, for example, rite of flame sure. or desperate ritual or, so, or cobble ritual, which are some of the more traditional ritual effects. It's so, desperate. was We're, there any discussion to uh, to adding those? at any point I know we all. definitely
3: talked about Ride at Flame which is one of my favorite cards to have in the deck I also like it in just some of the other more AIR-ish red decks right. they don't come up that much but sometimes you just drop a fanny and beat people with really. uh, it one of the awkward things about Ride of Flame was just that it has this line of text on the card just totally on it just doesn't matter in cube cube kind of
1: like snow cards in cube it's, it's like, like Oran Viper It's like, oh, it's a 1-3. Got
3: it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, Desperate Ritual is a totally reasonable card that a lot of cubes have. I mean, the other thing to remember is, again, 720 cards is... I found it to be bigger than some people's cubes, smaller than other people's cubes, and so the amount of cards that are there, it's exactly like playing a 60-card deck, right? Like, sometimes stuff just isn't in there right. because of the overall size. Not and, uh, because it's not good, but
0: because it's not right. as good, yeah.
3: yeah. Right, so, I mean, the decision was... And, and, you know, that's one of those cards that literally only goes into the Storm deck, you know? I mean, Desperate Ritual is, is bad enough that you're, you're not... Yeah, it's just a worse Rite of Flame, which is already your worst Ritual. I think Cabal Ritual is a much more interesting card and dynamic, and I
0: think that's probably the, the next most reasonable inclusion. Now, what about what about High Tide and Bubbling Muck, which that you have a Turnabout, you have a palancron, yeah. you have a Time Spiral, but there's no High Tide, no Bubbling Muck. I'd
3: probably, I probably, I think I wish there was High Tide in there in retrospect. I think that that would have been a card that's really interesting, is a card that players are familiar with, a card that feels really powerful. But people don't really know what Bubbling Muck does. Yes, yeah, so yeah, so I, yeah, I played Bubbling Muck in early is Saga Constructed Sure. It's, right. uh, it's been a while for that I think High Tides probably would have would have been pretty interesting to put in there
1: I guess on that topic uh, in terms of the list changing like A do you know if it's going to change much and B how much changes like in terms of tweaking do you think we're done like in terms of like okay this and not card just adding is cards adding from right. the next set that
3: comes right, out like right. actually yeah. Uh, I can't really comment on what any future cubes would be like I can say that you know I mean you bring up a good point right like Given that new cards are going to be released and we probably want to put them in the cube, I certainly think it's reasonable to think that this is not the sure. end-all, be-all cube list. But I, I can't really comment on anything that we may or may not do uh, beyond this particular. Can't cube. or won't. No. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just with
2: so I, I, I do want to follow up on the sure. the, the can't whatnot. I, I know uh, it seemed like uh, Worth Wolfort, uh tweeted out that. This is a first step in development of things on Magic Online, like possibly people being able to develop their own cubes. I know a lot of people were upset that there wasn't a timeline that was put out for that kind of thing. Um, and I understand why you can't put a timeline out. You're going to set expectations yeah, right. then, and you don't want to set an expectation and not meet it in that regard. But is is something that's in the mind of wizards, not necessarily something they'll definitely execute, but something that's in their mind to be able to let people make their own cubes to draft on Magic Online? Uh, again, it's, it's really hard for
3: me to say. I, I'm not involved in any of the mid- Magic Online okay. stuff. Uh, I, I make cards and I play test products. I right. have no idea what the Magic Online team's plans would be. I
0: wish I knew more. But right. Uh, which I, I which, don't. Yeah, the these, these, there seems to be some some disconnect between Magic Online development and Magic Online like nuts and bolts. Yeah. Sort of like the disconnect between the architect designing a house and the engineer actually having to build the house. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. you have this floating room I can't do that, but I designed it. You know, <laughs> like, so like like right. four three two twos being the way that are they run and there's a lot of stuff like that that it seems like just sort of just lost. Right. There, which I mean. We in yeah. and other formats.
3: It's, it's important to realize that, right, there, there's a lot of different elements to making Magic Online, just that there's a lot of different elements to making paper cards, right? You know, I certainly, you know, oh, double-sided cards, those are awesome, in my opinion, but I certainly don't design the frames, Right, and uh, Magic Online has stuff like that, too. It's like, it's one person's job right. to come for
0: I heard a good story that uh, apparently when they told the Magic Online like uh, d- um, tech team uh. that Mindslaver was going to be a target, yeah. it took them, like... Like months to figure out how to do yep. it, let alone wow. implement it. it. It
3: apparently took about a month to do Karn's Ultimate, too. Jeez. It nice. was an absolute nightmare. Like, well, oh, start the game over. Right. Well, I don't know what that means. Right. So.
0: <laughs> so exile cards come back, and yeah, all that good yeah, stuff. It was crazy. So I've got, so we got, uh, moving on, I've got Enlightened Tutor. Yeah. And more in general, non black tutors. Yeah. A lot of cube is Notable Cubists, Cubists, I would say. As as uh, opposed to the Dadaists. Right, exactly. exactly. So don't like having non-black tutors a la physical enlightenment because that's something that black does in the same vein of green does this you know, blue counterspell so we can't have whatever and yeah. uh, red deals direct damage so we can't have psionic blast or whatever. For any, just as color identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, was that ever, did that ever come up or have you ever heard that before? I, I've never heard tutoring is a thing that black does and other
3: colors don't do before. I mean, we printed fairly recently, I think we printed, you know, there's been Primal Command, there's been Idyllic Tutor. Well, sure. know, We don't do tutors that much. I mean, that...
1: Uh, Stoneford uh, missing.
3: Silver's Mystic, right? Uh, the the quest that gets the right their yeah, holy relic. Yeah, yeah. no, th-
0: those aren't those aren't traditional tutors, though. Those are those are both equipment tutors. Sure. For example, and like it just seems like now I'm not I'm not saying that you need to pigeonhole yourself, and yeah, the color yeah. identity is is lying in the sand. They can't do this, but you know it seems sort of like a little bit of. It's it's also another cube issue, which sure. is that you get two copies of the same color in your deck without having to sacrifice well, and, and to play and That black. actually was what I was
3: gonna sort of talk about. Actually, uh, one of the things that we find really interesting in cube is that it's a place that we can really highlight combo elements. And part of the thing about that though is if you draft survival of the fittest, or you draft reanimate, or you draft whatever, like you only have one copy in your deck because sure. cubes are Highlander. So tutors are a really good way to power up uh, like two card combos as opposed to like archetype-specific combos like Storm where really your entire deck has to be pointing at that. Decks that I really like to enable are like the Trinity Green deck that also has Natural Order Progenitus, Or like, you know, the, the control deck that kills with show-and-tell Blightsteel Colossus or whatever. And and so having tutors allows you to up that redundancy. And I also just think as a general color pie point, we tend to let black tutor for anything, but then it has to pay life or it costs more. And we let other colors tutor for narrow zone. No, Demonic Tutor? Uh, I don't know if I saw that one. Sorry, I'm talking about in general. Oh, in general. I
1: I see. It was like, was it Death Wish versus like the Living Wish, Burning Wish, Cunning Wish, and the other wish that I'm forgetting? Uh, Golden Wish.
3: wish. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Which people were really scared about at the time. But
1: uh, Yeah, so I mean, I I certainly wouldn't say that tutoring is is simply an issue of black color identities. On that question, did you, when like, at least when on your side, kind of, like, not on the development side, but yeah. more on the kind of playtesting side, yeah. did they ever say, like, we want to try to push this archetype, like Max or Tom, or did, were they just kind of like, well, we really want to push the, you know, or maybe, I guess another question is, if people, you know, in terms of table talk, did people ever say, like, hey, what is this card doing in here? Or oh, why, yeah, why is, Yeah, why is... uh. I don't know. I'm I mean,
3: yeah, to... that's that's most of the playtesting process, right, is asking questions about which things are or are not present. I mean, the, the one thing that we really wanted to try to do was make sure that you could draft a viable, just basic, aggressive deck in every color combination. Um, and, you know, blue, obviously, is going to be the worst to get in this type of thing, because you have a large history of cards where there aren't blue aggro things.
1: Let's say your one-drops suck.
3: Right. Put it bluntly. Right. right. Uh, we, we've actually definitely tried doing more,
0: like, fishy aggro blue builds, which are wasn't fun. Right. Where you just open up a pack and there'd be a welkin turn in yeah. there. Yeah. Like, What's <laughs> going on with this set? That I have, that I deck have, card may have been in there. Yeah, yeah. like welcome turn in like cloud spirit, and you just don't know what's happening. Exactly, like, it's these really, are just uh, bad. Yeah, it was standing cool. next to us, you know, like a decent, like a goblin guide or something. Right, yeah. like
3: some real cards. So right. I mean, but, but yeah, we we that was one of the things we really wanted to do. We tried to make sure again that like you know you could play a red aggro deck that wasn't just twenty three red cards although twenty three red card deck still really good. Yeah. Um, we actually wanted to beat up on the red deck pretty hard because uh, again, it's it's sure. way too good and. Cubes, so that explains stuff like Wall of Reverence that I know is in there. One yeah. RR three two red. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Full Shock, yeah. yeah.
0: Both of which were, were cards that we discussed yesterday. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, trying. Really I'm good trying good. to touch on all the cards that I, I saw issue with yeah. on any in, on any
2: level. So yeah, yeah those cool. are definitely two
0: of the other ones that I thought of. So was
2: basically, it. you want to try to hose LSV as bad as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: that LSV only drafts yeah. red. Because yeah. the reason why people draft cube is so that they get to play with cards they've never played yeah. before. Yeah. And so most, like, what is most players are like, oh man, Force of Will? Natural Order? This is awesome. And LSV's like, Goblin. Burst Lightning? Goblet Bad? <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Uh, so uh, the next one won't lead off onto a new stuff. Yeah. It might Light. a little bit, but uh, Renewed Faith yeah. How in development was Tom Because <laughs> <laughs> Tom was lead designer. Sure. So, uh, and so, and m- more of a spread out question is, like, did were there cards that Tom was like, that is staying in? Yeah, no, not really. He's not going to be draconian about it. Well, I but, mean, yeah. but he's like, I, I've owned a queue for a long time, and this doesn't look impressive, but Histrodon, for example, uh-huh. is one, another one of those cards that I know was in a long time and was still in long after it should have left. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion. Um, and I guess Historon brings me on to another point, which is Morph is a huge theme yeah. in the cube. I love that, want. by it, the way. Yeah. So if you if you would touch on uh, if, t- touch on like if anybody has any pet cards that, yeah. that they were just like, all right, we'll we'll let you have this one out of seven twenty, <laughs> and uh, Morph generally. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if anybody had specific pet
3: cards. I, I mean, a lot of the time it's like if something is in there and it plays well, and it's like, okay, well. That was pretty cool. I mean, you new know, is kind of a value card. I don't know that I've played with it much, but... Uh,
1: but it's to, the- to be fair, in terms of, like, pet cards in general, even when they have them in their cubes, usually they're, people are able to justify them somehow. Sure. You know, it's just like, there's, nobody's going to put, like, Ornith or... Kobold of the random. Thing thing my friend like
3: Peter that. Beckfield is obsessed with Thrummingbird and just will not cut it under right. any circumstances. Sure.
0: And in certain cubes, I'm sure it's fine. Like, oh, yeah. you've got, you know, a lot of people have Contagion Class in their cubes. Cool, yeah, for yeah example. exactly. So, uh, with
3: Morph, it uh, actually brings us back to a thing that we were talking about earlier about, like, you know, the, the marginal value of cards. And the thing that is great about Morphs is that it always gives you a three drop. That's, like, a power and toughness worse than whatever you'd be doing at three. But, like, there's this huge upside this ability and there's also tremendously exciting gameplay that like you know oh what's the morph going to be i found those cards to just be really fun because there's so many options but that only works if there's enough morph cards to meaningfully differentiate them
1: it's like it, oh exalted angel he's in white he's in white blue yep exalted angel or will better exactly and it's probably right
0: or oh, right, right and so like one but now I, you've actually got a, a choice it actually could be those two cards or could be shapeshifter or could be brine elemental randomly uh-huh. something like that there's like uh, yeah there's histrodon and Tuco uh, vigilante. vigilante
3: vigilante and the, uh, the salad guy Right, oh, so the Knight Felonite Hermit. Knight Hermit. Felonite Hermit in green. I, I've had multiple red decks that have both Dwarven Blast Miner and uh, Blistering Firecat, Fire yeah.
0: which are great because you have to treat them totally different as cards. I'm famous for having Gapan Raiders in my blue-black yeah. Raider deck, yeah, yeah, yeah is yeah. outlet. Yeah, yeah, he's a really
3: good one, too. So, yeah, what we found Morph to just be extremely fun and a great way to, like, just add a lot of texture as the game progresses because you just get, you know, additional... It's basically like, like, Kicker is one of the best management mechanics of all time, right? Kicker is very fun. It allows you to do different stuff early and late. Morph is kind of a variant of kicker. It's like onboard kicker costs, and uh, that just plays really well for the most part.
0: And it also messes with the uh, the protection guys that you were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. It'll, so sometimes you'll be like, oh, he's got a Volshock graph for you? Well, here's a Morph. Locking my gray right? Yeah, uh, exactly. So something like that. Um, does anyone else have any comments in white? I have. I have a couple more cards, but I don't really want to just go over every single card. Yeah, I, yeah. really of, I don't know. Like, we might want to move beyond white. We got four
3: other colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, That'd we're sort accurate. of
0: touching sure, on other subjects sure, sure. as we go. You time. were talking about how blue you don't really want to be. You, you said the agro, the aggro blue decks were kind of durtly and yeah, dirty, yeah. didn't really do anything. The first creature I have on my list here is Phantasmal Bear. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, proceed. I, I mean yeah. Like,
3: you know, when I say I don't want all of the cards to be cloud spirits, like, you know right. that Phantasmal Bear is far and away the best just generically good wonder. I mean you've got Delver of Secrets that goes in that type of blue deck, but right. you know, you want to put something in there that like can go into a zoo strategy, can go into kind of a hybrid strategy and it's like, you know, it's it's just okay, it's a one mana two two It's just leagues beyond everything else in that slot. So uh, you get a lot of value out of having a couple of those cards, right? It's a a matter of... You don't want to necessarily make the entire deck about that. The other thing it lets you do is, like... Uh, one of the archetypes I like is just the like three or four color aggro deck. Yeah. And it, like if you're the person that's drafting a lot of the sack lands high and a lot of the other yep, lands yep. high, and you're just going to figure out what you're casting later, it gives you a card to just like get with your first sack land activation.
1: In, in terms of that, and uh, kind of on that riff, uh, and one thing I noticed, blocks, by the way. right? One thing I r- noticed really, I guess after the first five or so drafts was mm-hmm. that mana fixing was really, really, really anemic. Or at least it, really? Felt, it felt really like. The only fix, like I noticed, you had to take it for a seven
0: twenty cube. There are there is a low number of lands compared, especially compared to the number of multicolored cards. Like like statistically,
1: um, I'm just proceed. I was just oh, i going to say it was Just like one of the things I noticed that it seemed like a lot of the decks that weren't green had really bad mana. Really? Right, and put, this
0: yeah. also connects to the uh, the mana rock question that I had no. for you yesterday, which is there are no signets. Uh, there's no dark stealing god, for example. Uh, And so, like, it seemed like... Now, I understand that was probably a conscious decision. But if you could, you know, go ahead. So, about both of those things, I'm really surprised
3: to hear the mana thing. Because, like I said, I've drafted this cube a lot. And, you know, one of the things is, like, I don't really pass very many lands. Because, uh, like the the value of a... Like, you're going to have 23 playable spells, right? So whenever you take a land, you're getting the delta of that card relative to Forest as opposed to that card relative to, like, one of the most powerful magic cards right.
0: ever printed. The best cube decks are the ones where you uh, cut five cards and then shuffle it up. Yeah, yeah and you right. You don't add any basics. Yet. So, like,
3: you you don't want to have too many lands,
1: though, because it just becomes too easy to do Yeah, that. just five-color, form, like, format. Where I've seen cubes where... It's just like, oh, take this fixer, take this fixer, take this fixer. Oh, I get a finisher, fixer, whatever. Right. And kind of just algorithmically just draft five color. Yeah. But it just seemed like it went on the other end. I'm doing a uh, an article for Star City at Blayden Plug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And one of the things, it just seemed that like... I knew it, the Rad. Oh, yeah, yeah. just <laughs> <also here. laughs> what lands. We have... Yeah, yeah, uh, it it had the, it it the Ravnica duels, sure. at least mm-hmm. the Fetchlands, Ravnica duels...
3: It had all the, the duels,
1: right? It had the... Uh, we'll go down to the lands. Hold on. Okay. That works.
0: I'm going. I'm getting there, folks. You go these <laughs> days. While, while I'm getting down there, you can all follow us on Twitter, et cetera. All right. uh, so Sigma. we got so of the we got some colorless lands. Uh, we have got it, okay. So we have all of the um, uh, the M10 style. Yeah, the M10 and the
1: lands and um, the Ravnica Shock lands, the Fetch lands, the Alpha Beta. All the
0: regular duels. The oh, ma-
1: the Ravnica Ma- or the Warwick like Manlands mm-hmm. right and I think that was it for the dual colors
0: ten,
3: so it's it's 10 Sacklands 10 M10 lands 10 ravnica duels 10 actual yeah, duels yeah uh,
4: five,
3: 5 Manlands, Manlands yeah.
0: and uh, I'm not sure as far as I know that's I it. see like for example Horizon Canopy I don't see or uh, uh, River of Tears, or any of like, yeah, for example, in our, in our cube at home, we have Battlefield Forge instead of Clifftop Retreat, uh, for, for example. example. So you can cast like the Wonder. Right. Whereas whatever. there seems to be a lot of colorless lands. Uh, for example, Yav, Maya Hollow, uh, Grim, Traders. Grim Backwoods, City Traders, City and Ancient Tomb are both both yeah, fine. Right. But I'm saying like uh, Grim Backwoods is the thing that lets you sack stuff.
3: Yes, like
1: yes. a dude. And it. so
3: there's a lot of colorless lands. Is, is yeah, I mean it was still what 45 or whatever color sure. fixing lands, I mean, Yeah, you kind know, a lot. I mean uh, yeah, but know, out of a 720 cube, and that's It's what, one every, a little more than one every two packs, something like
0: that? But when you have as many lands as you have multicolored cards, for example.
3: right. But, like, one thing about a multicolored card is that, like, you know, you don't, like, let's say you're playing N10 Limited, right? You can cast all of your two-color gold cards, right? Like, no problem, right? And if you have just a couple of mana-fixing spells you can get, you know, and on a splash almost no problem. Like, bear in mind, your average, like, draft deck in a regular set probably is, you know, you're maybe going to have an Evolving wilds or yeah. something like that. So given that you're probably still going to get more than that in a lot of your cube decks, you can do splashes like you would do in traditional limited. Now, if you want to branch out into more colors, uh, you either need to draw more cards or play green mana fixing, which was one of the things we wanted to allow green to do specifically because it's for As opposed of, to having everyone be, have access to mana rocks. Right. Yeah. Manor, like, when everyone gets cards that are better than Rampant Growth, it's really hard to make Green's mana fixing very appealing. You know, so uh, we wanted to hedge that down to give Green, like, a very distinct identity in terms of the type of things that it can do.
1: Now, one of the things I noticed was, like, it seemed like, it seemed like ag- aggressive decks really got punished because it was like they needed they, to... Unlike, say, a lot of traditional... Formats, which are mainly mid-rangey, aside mm-hmm. from maybe like Zendikar and uh, you know, Dark yeah, 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 right. It seemed like they got punished really hard against I guess, guess more controlly kind of decks where right? they if did, they didn't hit their drops early mm-hmm. they would suffer and they had a harder time doing it because the fixing was just kind of not
3: so, so oh hard. see I, I just completely disagree with that I think in formats where there's more signets the aggro decks are just worse because like the control decks are just doing better more powerful things it's like if I'm casting a 1 drop and then a 2 drop and my opponent like one of the best deck and standard historically one of the best matchups for ramp decks has been aggro decks mm-hmm. it's because more Mox is more powerful than Savannah Lions. Right, So, Mox with Suspend 1 or Suspend 2 mm-hmm. is still a lot more powerful than a, a lot of the, the threats that aggro decks are deploying. So, when you remove those signets, you not only make the control decks have to keep up mana cost for mana cost.
1: Play more fairly. You,
3: right. Yeah. You, you also prevent the aggro decks from having to dilute themselves with a bunch of things like Viridian Shaman mm-hmm. that you have to play just to keep up with the mana
1: acceleration for the control decks. But I don't think it's necessarily the signets. I mean, the the, con- the aggro decks wouldn't fair- wouldn't play them anyway. I just felt like the aggressive decks suffered more because of the less fixing than the control decks which were able to set up even then... Because the would control s- decks can still play the Cold Steel Heart and the, uh, uh, the Dark yeah, darks- yeah, Steel King and the Coalition Relic or whatever. Yeah. Well, like, Whereas the aggro
0: decks can't really afford to... Not
3: I, I don't mean both. to
1: put you on the spot, no, no, by the no, way. No, you're <laughs> putting me on the spot. It's but, just but,
3: interesting because of how much I just fundamentally disagree, I guess. It's like, let's say I'm playing a red-green aggro. My mana base is eight forest, eight mountain, one tiger. Mm -hmm. is a fantastic
0: mana base, right? But for these eight color aggro decks that you're talking about...
3: Well, yeah, but you only draft those if you've started, you know, you first pick Windswept Heath. You second pick Taiga, you third pick a, a land, and then you're like, oh, okay, well now I can do this. Because, like, you can draft a reasonable three-color aggro deck with, like, seven seven six. 7 7 right? It's to be a little inconsistent.
1: Yeah, and one thing I also noticed was but triple-color decks were almost, straight three-color was almost impossible.
3: Yes, yeah, straight three-color is extremely hard to do, yeah. or at least if you're not going control. Right. Yeah, but again, that, that's the natural tendency of magic. right? Like, it's very hard to design a limited format or at least a fun limited format that leads to mana bases like Legacy where every one of your de- uh, your lands can theoretically get you all three colors.
1: Yeah, fetch so well, like like, like, well, lands and dual <laughs> lands, etc.
3: Right, and the problem with doing that in the context of the cube is, well then why do you want to draft an aggro deck that's not that deck? Mm-hmm. And so what just happens is all of the ag- those aggro decks cannibalize each other because they're all looking for the same cards. If you stratify the deck some more to where you have like a meaningful black aggro deck, a meaningful white aggro deck, a meaningful red one, then you get... The, the they're not fighting with each other as much, and they're not taking all of each other's cards.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. That's, I guess something I'd also noticed, I guess, in terms of cannibalization and fixing, no. there was like a, two red white aggro decks in one of the drafts, and they both kind of were. I think one of them had a, one Miser's. No, it was red white. Yeah. And one had a Miser's Sacred Foundry, the other guy And they both, both of the decks seem to have suffered that, you know, because of. Because they, they both had pretty crappy mana.
3: I guess I, 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 I would I have guess. to sit and, and think about it With like an Excel spreadsheet and Right and, I mean, and a
1: lot of this data Will come in later I'm yeah. sure though. Yeah no. I guess Okay It's
3: tough to argue It's tough to argue It's tough to argue Yeah It's just that, like I, I know that we play In limited Like plenty of X With zero manifesting at all that are, are totally serviceable, and obviously the power level of cubes higher. Yeah. But I mean, think about like, a, you know, a Vivid Creek and Lorewin Limited. Like, that yeah. card does a lot of things for you. But I
1: mean, to be fair, in a lot of Limited formats, they weren't really aggressive anyway. Aside from maybe Zendikar and maybe like, you know, Dark Ascension, Limited, uh, Rod, most aggressive, most Limited 11, decks are... M11. M11, yeah, yeah. M11 you know, yeah, M11 too, but for the most part, a lot of formats are really mid-rangey.
3: And a lot of the older formats that are mid-range here are worse Limited formats because because of it, right? Yeah. Like one of the... Like Ursa's Saga. Yeah, yeah. Or, or <laughs> like, oh, you played a guy LOL Pestilence.
0: Yeah. Red, yeah, and yeah there's yeah. one
3: thing we've done in terms of magic more generally is try to make aggro decks better and limited so that you're not just casting two for ones all the time.
0: I just want a shirt that has you smiling and that says LOL Pestilence. <laughs> 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 I've mean, heard well, that shirt. Or an image macro. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like a photo of you from some pro tour like five years ago with you just grinning and it just said yeah. LOL Pestilence. Giggly eyes. <laughs> so... Uh,
3: Uh, I was thinking, like maybe I'm wrong about that in which case there will be some
2: data that shows that I'm wrong in which case y'all get to have me back on the show and a lot of of, a lot of these issues will
0: the numbers will come out and we'll figure it out is that also
2: a thing that it depends on the people and their experiences having already drafted oh, and kind of, of course. leading how they go about things. Of like course. the group of people you play test with and the people that you draft with when are used to drafting a particular way and have different thoughts in mind about how they need to prioritize cards. Whereas, you know, the the people Usman's drafting with have a different set of values about what they need to, to put you know, put on things. have different
3: cubes for that. Oh one, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is one one of the reasons I've tried to play a lot of different people's cubes. Uh, and if you, I mean, the, this, this Midgo cube has been several years in the making in terms of us wanting to make sure that we have enough diversity of experience to really construct something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as you draft more and get more familiar with the texture of this cube, I think that, yeah, certain of its characteristics will emerge that maybe people just haven't been familiar with.
0: So, uh, the next one I got is, this is a short short topic, Mm. Enclave Cryptologist. Yeah. Um, Adam Prozac is famous for saying that, uh, would you rather have a card that has the the text draw a card, or would you rather have the card, draw a card, discard a card? And he's like, wait, discarding a card's a drawback? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, how do you feel about looters? In Cube, and like, why? Where do you draw the line? Like, we we're about to add Thought Courier oh, yeah? to my Cube and nice because it's a human, so it randomly gets pumped. Yeah, by of yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, like, wh- what are your thoughts on on looting effects? Uh, I
3: think they're good. Uh, I, I like having some number. Like, you want to sit and figure out how good you want reanimation to be, and you want to like you know, cost your looting and. and Ascribe the density of your looting uh, in direct proportion to that, right? So, like, you want reanimator to be really good. You want compulsive research, merfolk looter, looter ill core, right. thirst for knowledge, and you know all that. If you want the deck to be toned back a little bit, you just looting, things. yeah, just all. all yeah, yeah, right. One of the things I like about Enclave Cryptologist is that it can be a very good like juicy apprentice type card, and it can be a very you know efficient reanimator card. And it makes... It rewards the blue deck for tapping out on its main phase. So I think there's a lot of dynamism in there, yeah, to, yeah. to where, you know... You, you, I like... High risk, high reward cards.
1: I guess. Like show and tell.
3: Right. Oh, well, yeah, 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 right. And, and that card's high risk, high reward in the drafting. I feel like Enclave Cryptologist is, you know, ooh, do I really want to tap my lands down because I'm going to have a Shield down moment, but the reward of that is I'm going to get an Archivist. Right. And that's very
0: powerful, you know. So uh, I, that's sort of what's going on with that card. Um, so my, my next card on, my, on, on the list I got here is Old Man of the Sea. Yeah, uh, which is it, just I guess the question I have about it is it's awesome. Um, how do you feel about like cards that people may have forgotten about, like like Old Man of the Seas yeah. is a card that's from a long time yeah. ago. Oh yes, it sort of is from a day and age when people didn't really care how many words were on a magic right? Yeah. Um, or the it,
1: the more words the better.
0: The more words the better because because the more words the more flavorful. Right?
2: <laughs> so, cards yeah, cards like that. Yeah yeah
0: yeah. Uh, I
3: really like being able to highlight some older, more obscure cards that, like, like again, this this gets down, to, in my opinion, to the essence of why a lot of people play Q. And that is, like, you're never going to play Old Man of the Sea in Type 1. It's just not good enough. I mean, maybe it's a sideboard card in some weird context. By and large, you're just not playing it. But it's a very powerful magic card that can be really good in the right context, and that context is Q.
1: Although yeah. I did randomly think how good it would be in the sideboard of Legacy because it steals almost everything.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, no, it'd probably yeah, really no it probably really is good. Paul Chion played two of it in the sideboard of his deck. The first at the Flash Columbus. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Gregory, right. When they play Fish. My mind's been red. blown. <laughs> so, well, let's do
3: it. so yeah, I mean, I like to be able to highlight cards like yeah. that. That just Cube is is in many ways one of their best natural contexts. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on
0: Nurok Commando. Nurok Commando? Yeah, yeah that's really? a really weird one. Like, like and stuck really, out to pretty much everybody.
1: Yeah, like, those kind of, like, cards like that, uh, Goblin Goon, things like that, it seemed like...
0: There's a bunch that were, like, that are in no cube I've ever seen before. Yeah. There are commandos not in cubes? No. no. Isn't that card a lot like Oron Viper? Yeah. Except that you can equip Oran Viper, and Oran Viper survives Pyroclasm and... Like, and you can you can put in equipment on Auron Vipers? Yeah, but I mean, I, I just cut him
2: from mine. Yeah. He was coming but from the, the, the question I was going to
1: ask is, like, uh-huh. were cards like that more kind of, like, more subtle hosers for people to bring in against control decks? Yeah, like, well, exactly. Like, here's my Neuro Commando, but you wouldn't main deck it, for example. But something like, well, I know you're playing three creature dot deck, here's my commando deal with it. Is uh-huh. it more of a kind of a subtle hoser kind uh,
3: of thing? I mean, it's definitely designed to be, like, way better against certain strategies yeah. than yeah. others. I'm just really surprised that people don't play Neuro Commando. Like, like like I find like, yeah. like any opportunity to gain card advantage in cube is just really really good because your cards are so good yeah. and so like again if i'm playing against an aggro deck and i'm like a, a sort of mid rangy control deck or whatever mm-hmm. they, they like, cast the guy and i force spike it and then they resolve a threat but like especially if i'm on the play if, like even if i'm against aggro and i just gain initiative with neuro commando yeah. like how do they ever win that game like i'm the deck with all the removal so yeah. do they what do they not attack me like, well, you're not winning that game. Well,
1: it's kind of like, Is like, it M11 with Scroll Thief? Yeah. And no one ever want to get hit by Scroll Thief ever. Is like, oh. <laughs> right. Fine, so, so you
3: like, like, Neuron Commando is one of those cards that creates a, an, a, a decision point, basically. And it's like, okay, like, I'm committing a resource to the board, value betting that I can make the game revolve around this card. And so then there's a little mini-game about whether you're going to, like, like, do a little dance in essence about how good that card is going to be and both players kind of make a decision about that
1: kind right. of like Geist in a way yeah board.
3: yeah yeah a lot of like there's sort of like a less powerful version of Geist of Sand but uh, I, I'm just very surprised that here year there aren't a lot of Neurok Commandos well that and that almost you go. All my blue
0: dice uh, well well I got nothing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, I got yeah, nothing other like than I guess we can try it, but i I've, I've like, like, never, wh- wh- it's never wh- even been in our tr- on deck binder. Like, what, what is the, the
3: situation line? where that card's bad?
1: Opponent has an X two, and you don't have kill bo- it. You're or, a blue and, deck, and you don't have removal. Right?
3: Well, wait, then your deck
1: sounds bad. You're like, i <laughs> have a, a
3: blue control deck with no removal. All right. Well, yeah, Neurot Commando is not why you're losing that yeah, game.
0: I mean, it's, it's, it was just a strange yeah. choice, and I, I just happen to have never seen it sure. in any cube list. So I, 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 my I recommendation mean, is put in there. Yeah, I'll try it. Sure. Um, the last blue creature I have a question about is actually not in the cube, really, and that is Delver Sequence. Yeah, that's uh, awkward. Uh, Delver of Secrets when
3: <laughs> I wish I had a better answer. Sure. Uh, Delver of Secrets, you know, when we were playtesting the FFL or whatever, it was like it was around when we were playtesting this cube and developing it. It's you know, It was good in our FFL, but it wasn't format-defining. Uh, Delver's one of those cards that, like, you really need to get your build right, because the ratios of instants to creatures to lands and everything, like, if they're somewhat off, it just makes the card seem much worse than it is otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think it was really on our radar. I mean the fact that Phantasmo is there in Delver isn't suggested it's the type of card that we'd like uh, and it just yeah and when we were developing it we did not realize how
0: powerful the card was so it definitely is an omission for sure. Uh, I don't I, I, uh, there are a couple, I suppose, I could talk uh-huh. about, but I think the more overreaching question I have about blue instants and sorceries and Planeswalkers uh-huh. in general is all these blue cards do the exact same thing, yeah. which in one way is good for cube, but in another way isn't really. Like, all but to like seven or eight of them either draw a card or counter a spell. see. Or st- right, and, and there aren't even that many stealing
4: things. Mm-hmm. No, I was just um, names. <laughs> yeah, but like
0: other things that Blue does well is steal things, and there's not a ton of things that steal things. For for example, I don't see uh, take possession. Oh yeah, I might have missed it, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah.
4: Well, okay. uh, I've, or seen con- I've seen confiscate yeah, in a lot of cubes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and things
0: like that. Or uh, um, uh, echoing truth. Bouncing things is something that Blue does very well. And that's, that's in our cube at home, that's why it came yeah, right to, it, to my attention. So I, I didn't know, like, was it a conscious like, thought that, like, look, so we're going to have Stifle and we're going to have Capsize and then we're going to have counter spells and ways to Draw cards? Yeah, or, I, mean,
3: I mean, it's interesting because it's like, you know, oh, there's not a lot of bounce. It's like, well, what bounce has ever been good? Well, it's all the, the bounce across yeah, yeah, exactly, sure. right. So it's like you know, I mean, we, you and I talked about echoing truth a little bit yesterday. There's not that many tokens in this cube, so like I just would not play echoing truth, truth very much. Sure. Maybe if I was trying to get through my uh, neuro commando, oh, yeah. right? But, uh,
1: <laughs> if I play, play echoing truth, make <laughs> anyway. just a lot of it back hey, just get them. That's why, that's uh, why well, the blue deck or whatever deck isn't good, that.
3: right? Exactly. So I mean, yeah, we, we aren't really, uh, you know, it's it's like the bounce effects also draw a lot of cards. We try to get stuff in there like opposite position stifle, show and tell. I mean, there, there's, there's more so cards dream halls. I mean, there's some very unique yeah. effects. But so when you when you look at what's been good in blue, you know, it's mostly drawing cards, countering spells, and taking things. And there's a fair amount of taking things. And, and oh. sort of like, you know, most of your red cards deal damage and attack. It's like well that that is what red tends to do in Constructing. I like to think of cube draft as a microcosm of the constructed experience, and what that means is that you know you either get to where like a lot of your cards are just the cards that were getting constructed, or you get to the situation like we were talking about where it's like why is this cloud spirit in this yeah, deck? Right, right. right. But like cloud spirit, like I draft you, yeah, you, you could put like,
0: all this. the cloud spirits that have ever been printed, like Richard on airship, yeah, and then just pick that deck, and I'm sure it'd be fine one out of every thirty drafts, yeah. For one person but yeah and maybe like like
3: I've drafted I know uh, Sam Black's Cube has cards like that I've played cubes that have stuff and, and even when that stuff is good because like you can draft a reasonable like blue white tempo deck it just feels weird I feel like that's the experience that a lot of people are looking for out of cube is not the one it's where they the play thing. Hammerhead Shark sure. right yeah. exactly and so I, I feel like this is delivering to a lot of the audience that wants to get to play with some of their favorite cards that they haven't been able to play in a long time and I think that that's kind of what we're going for with a lot of these blue cards. It's Like oh. a
2: viable counterspell deck, because really you can't play a viable counterspell right. deck in standard in most people's formats today. Right. Purposely so. And you really do need a decent density of counterspells, especially when you consider the cubes 720. Nah, and half right. the cards aren't going to be there. Exactly. Sure. So, exactly. Yeah.
0: So I like that, that I said fish, and your example was actually... <laughs> a literal... It's like fish thinking that you're going to be like... Um, or, meddling like, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> or meddling mage, Yeah Like Meryl Or meddling mage. Yeah So moving on to Moving on to black uh, I got uh, Nightscape Familiar Is that secretly A storm card Yeah like, For storm Yeah it's really good In that tech It's reasonable In
3: the blue black control deck. It fits. slots into a lot of things
0: Alright um, The more My more pressing issue About black creatures Is Phyrexian Crusader mm-hmm. And Skitharix The yeah, Black Dragon Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Are and the also,
1: only and also, I, and also I guess Negator While we're on the Phyrexian team and it just felt, I don't know. It felt like people just didn't want to draft it, but I don't know if people just did not want to Tell
0: draft you like it. you talking about actual Fire X Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was thinking more along the lines of, like, those are the only two poison yeah. cards in the thing. See, you know, like that you know,
1: would sense, my bad. There's no, no, <laughs> there's
0: no, there's no uh, Ink Moth Nexus was the main right. one we thought of, but even more subtle ones, like, um uh oh, I don't know. Uh, the Viridian, Viridian Corrupter Viridian Corrupter is, is, is a good really one? Yeah. probably one of the best possible examples, or uh, you know, some, something even subtle like Corrupted Conscience, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I um, that. Uh, if you could talk for a minute about the decision to only do those two cards.
3: Well, uh, part of it is hitting the threshold is hard, right? Like, let's say we'd included Viridian Corrupter and Corrupted Conscience, I could see you asking me the exact same question. Fair enough, right? Like four out of seven hundred and twenty cards it's still not a lot. You're still not likely to have two of them in a deck,
0: right? I I guess mean, you know, the, the it's is better, better than just having future facts and nothing else. Yeah, you're as right. thing is you can't actually you're win just a game with So part of the problem is just getting the density
3: of infect up there to be meaningful requires like, it would require like on the order of thirty cards and like yeah. you just don't have that much real estate yeah. at all. You know, imagine like... And it was a one block format or oh, right. card ability. So, so uh, you know, I think Frixian yeah. okay. and Batmother is reasonable. I I think Frigsy and Batmother is reasonable I think Verdian Corruptor is reasonable well, I think Ink Mod Next is what i actually been entertaining. But, uh, you know, the, the the two cards that are in there do a lot of work. I mean, Skitherix is very capable of ending the game in two attacks if it has any sort of pump whatsoever. And, you know, a five-mana card that can kill the game in three attacks is still very, very powerful. Uh, the Phyraxian card is actually like a great hoser against red and white on defense. is extremely hard to deal with because of the first strike you know, wither ability, quote-unquote. Uh, it, it's more of a defensive black card because you do have to hit them five times with that but again it can kill you in two or three hits if you put you know a jit on it a sword on it something like that so I, I definitely don't think it's I think it's important not to underestimate the capacity of these to kill you I think another really good point too is a lot of games of magic come down to who has the last threat on the board that people can't deal with and it doesn't matter whether it's killing you in X amount of attacks or Y amount of attacks what's important is I have a threat and they don't. And in that scenario, both of these cards really can end the game as powerfully as any other card.
0: Right. You had a great story yesterday about I think it was Kibler was giving you crap about one of your draft decks that you had. It was a blue oh, green. Yeah. It was half infect creatures, half not infect creatures. And he's giving you crap, and you promptly three oh. Yeah, it. I probably three oh the draft, <laughs> like
3: grafted exoskeleton of cards that
0: other people right. think are bad because it's just like okay, well, I'm gonna play a cis bear.
3: I'm gonna attack you until you deal with my cis bear. All right, I'm gonna play the three one that flies. i gonna draw a card. I'm gonna attack you with that. It's like okay, that was less than efficient but I'm still drawing a million cards I still have big guys and eventually I'm going to stick a threat that kills you yeah, eventually and
0: like, one of these threats will be
3: the last one and you won't be able to deal with it Right, and I'm, I'm trading attacking on two axes for having a bunch of guys with double strike with my equipment you know which like again you you put a grafted exoskeleton on a 3-3 that kills in 2 attacks I want a bunch of my games that draft by going end step dark steel sentinel untap exoskeleton 5 then all of a sudden I've got an abyss on the table and it's similar it's like let's say I've got a phryxian crusader like okay I get you down to 4 poison are you going to deal with it well if you're not going to deal with it then you're dead. just gonna die to it. Right. Yeah. And then if you did, okay, well I, I had to pay a drawback in exchange for having my kind of double striking, ridiculous on defense, protection from two colors,
0: three mana creature. You
3: know?
0: Uh Corlash air to Black Blade. Yeah. Sort yeah. of has the right of flame problem. Yeah, it does. Of having a this a bunch of extra text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also has the problem of everyone remembers Coralash being awesome because of all that extra text. Uh-huh. Um Oh, oh, I want if you could talk a little bit about the thought process of adding Corlash Sure.
3: I, uh, we talked earlier. It definitely has the drawback. The exact same thing we talked about with right of Flame. The difference I think is is that. You know, the, the, it's got a whole bunch of other stuff that it does. You know, iris- that's just one line of text, as opposed to... the yeah, there's fully- two behind it. Yeah, right. Uh, it, it's sort of like we were talking about with the the uh, two-card combo synergies, where it's like, okay, Coralash is insane with Herb Ward, Pretty, you know, pretty good in a regular mono black deck, and kind of bad in a two color strategy. We know people like mono black. It's pretty easy to make Coral Ash a four four regenerator. Uh, the upside on it is pretty massive. You know, in the late game, it starts to do pretty bananas things. So we thought it was just a cool enabler for the the predominantly black mid range control archetype. And you know, worst comes to worse, you play a regenerating hill giant, and that's pretty bad. But it can get bigger as the game goes along, and you know, it can block and as long as it needs to so it's just kind of another one of those cards that's intended to go reasonably late in the pack
1: I guess it was a kind of question I was thinking of in terms of like when people were drafting. Did you ever feel that people like when they were drafting? It's like I thought this deck was open, or I thought this deck was viable, and it didn't. And then Tom, it, Tom and Tom Max did they change it based on that? You know, what I mean, like did they? Go, oh yeah, like like a psychiatrist writing down notes or notes. Yeah, or
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of our playtesting process. Is just like let's see what works. And if things are too easy, then we kind of tone them yeah. down. If people are like, oh, I really wanted to try a strategy. And it didn't pan out. You know, you're gonna slot in cards that can do that. I mean, you know, for this cube, we had probably 11 or 1200 cards that could go in there. And so we're we're sort of drawing from a pool of different things every time. And uh, and so yeah, that that's a lot of how the playtesting process worked. It's like, were you able to draft this deck? No. Okay. Well, what would you have needed in order to draft this? And that's one of the reasons I at least can be reasonably confident about Storm coming together is because I remember that exact process happening. And it was like okay well like let's give this deck Lion's Eye Diamond that's a really powerful card with a tremendous upside and it's really only good in this one strategy it's pretty easy to get if you're looking to go into that and uh, and have it work out. So yeah, we we tried to make sure that each of the archetypes had enough
1: juice to really make them work. I have one more quick question. Sure. I'm gonna shut up. Yeah, it's a uh, like. Do you find it? I'm uh, oh, oh, sorry. Fine. Sorry, no, no, no. You do yeah. what you want. <laughs> no.
0: I wasn't making a face at me. I was like, you didn't oh, know. I thought oh, you were. I was like, like
1: okay. No. In, in terms, in terms of play testing the cube, mm-hmm. did you find the test the the process of testing was similar to limited environments? And if there are any differences, can you think of any? Yeah, I mean, this is a hacky answer,
3: but, you know, it's similar but different, right? I mean, Cube is way more, like, constructed than it is limited. And so a lot of the things you're balancing for, the gameplay people get out of that, is the gameplay that a lot of people want in constructed environments. But in terms of deck composition, it tends to be a lot more similar to limited. So um, I'd say that in many ways, Cube was an attempt to divert from the pattern of limited archetypes that we've been making while using the knowledge of how we make regular and limited to inform how we build our queue. Uh, And and so, you know, a lot of the things we've been talking about in terms of mana ratios and spell ratios and things like that was a 40-card deck with no multiples. So obviously that's going to be informed much more by limited deck-building principles.
1: And those were lessons learned from development.
3: Yeah, exactly. But in terms of strategic archetypes, you know, you're trying to build constructed archetypes that, you know, in exchange for having to play a Highlander deck, you get to play 40 cards instead of 60. And that's, you know, roughly... The amount of consistency trade off that makes the format, you know, feel about standard power level with a
1: legacy ish cards. You you, know. Did you feel like some archetype based formats, like say Rise Del uh, Innistrad, kind of with like the spider spawning decks, like enabling those kind of decks? Do you think those lessons were applied to Cube?
3: I mean, I think in some ways Cube lessons were applied to those decks when they were being developed. You know, it's, it's a back and forth street. Uh, I definitely think that like we used similar things about how much self mill needs to be in here to enable the archetype uh, to inform some of that for Cube. But I mean, it's very different when you have a 720 card set with no multiples. So I mean, I, I certainly don't think we're ignoring those things. There are similarities you can find out. But in terms of the composition of the overall set, it really is very different and not being able to have multiples
0: really changes a lot of things right. this was actually a concern that some people had had which I think that we clarified no. without me asking <laughs> people were wondering is this going to be like Q where there no. will be one at the table or are we going to open random packs of cube the set? And there might be repeats. I think Best as I can tell, it's a Highlander Yeah, I think Lee okay.
1: or, War- or worth said it was single time. Okay, I, was just, yeah. I, I heard yeah. several it's people express to be concern.
0: Um, I, I thought of a blue one that I forgot about. Narcolepsy. Yeah. I love. Yeah. Was there any discussion? I know that there's very little discussion about certain cards, maybe. Yeah. But Curse of change is very similar. Yeah. And even more splashable. And... Was there any discussion about curse chains?
3: Uh, curse chain is just more annoying for a Magic Online product by a lot, and that was pretty much yeah. what a lot I'm of the discussion was. It may sound dumb, but what? What do you mean? It's just like trigger, trigger. Oh, okay. yeah, Gotcha, trigger. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Hey, a
0: blue. Hey, a, blue. Hey,
2: a blue. Right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got you. So uh, this one, I'm not really sure if this is like a, like a like a real question or if it's just a question I have in my head. Plague Sliver and Mind Shatter. Uh-huh. were those included because there weren't functional reprints available on Magic Online or were they consciously my shatter instead of my twist
1: oh I think, like I think Juzam's in Masters 3 isn't it I don't know. It's in one of the masters. Mine's three master or two, I think. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Or and were they speakers? specifically chosen because Mind Twist is considered super... Yeah, un- Mind Shredder
3: on- was directly mm-hmm. slotted out for Mind Twist because Mind, Mind Twist is just really super irritating. Yeah, Mind yeah, it was, was, it was like out. you said earlier,
1: non-interactive card.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Plague Sliver is basically just kind of upside jism. Right, because randomly they can have a mirror end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it has
1: its and minuses. Like, did you ever find... Like, when it was, like, straightforward card versus more potential interactions, like, say... I can't think of an example to, but like, say if Juzanjin versus Plague Sliver and they said, well Plague Sliver has more interactions and creates a more interactive experience. Like say, it's better if you have, it's better if you don't have changelings and they have them and, or Sliver, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, positives yeah. and negatives that you could build around and against.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, it comes up with clones on Plague Sliver too. I think, I mean, it's definitely you have to handle it on a case-by-case basis. It just is like, okay, like we felt like there was more going on with the sliver It was interesting if it affected the rest of the battlefield than if it just affected itself. I mean, you have to determine whether something is a value-added interaction versus a value-subtracted interaction. That's all very subjective. But, I mean, it's just is like a lot of the things that come up with play sliver, you're like, oh, weird, that mattered, and I wasn't expecting that, too. And I yeah. think most of the time that's pretty pleasant. Um, and you know, if, if it had been something like you, had... like we probably wouldn't have done plague sliver if we found that we were blowing ourselves out more than
0: it was sort of you know, helping. Yeah. Right, but you know, in this case, it just seemed like net upside. Right, you know? you're never gonna. Have, uh, very rarely are you gonna have plague sliver in a deck with a changeling. Yeah, yeah. it might have been different if moon glove changeling was randomly the best card in Lorwyn. <laughs> 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 you know you know what? Um, since you right.
1: told me not to shut up, I'm gonna ask one more quick question. Sure. Yeah, I've got about five more minutes. Okay, so. uh, did you feel the playtesting environment? for Cube versus say other sets or other environments Uh was more laid back or more just like I let's shoot the breeze and test Cube versus I'm guessing a more like straightforward okay like we gotta hammer this out for like a uh triple Innistrad or
3: something. That's a good question. I'll say our playtesting environment's pretty laid-back anyway, so I'd say that, uh, contrary to what you may expect, the environment for this is about as laid-back as our other playtests. We normally just kind of have a good time, play Magic, twirl each other, yeah. and uh, try to learn something
1: from Was there, like, table talk? Oh, yeah. Table talk,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and not just, like, you know, because LOL. Like, table talk's a huge
0: part of playtesting products. So is there going to be... Uh, uh, well, okay, so playtesting product. Not of What? I thought you said, I thought you were going to say table talk is a big part of uh, of. Uh, oh, play no, play no I, I just mean of our playtesting. Yeah, I
2: dependent. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Because
0: yeah. I was wondering if there was going to be like table talk allowed in the So Oh, the no, 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 no.
3: And, and when I'm saying that, I, I certainly don't mean that this is intended to be played in an environment with table talk. I just yeah. mean like you were talking earlier, like, oh, you know, does this deck have enough juice? Well, one of the ways we figured it out is to, like, you show someone a pack and yeah. you're like, I really wish that there was more support for this because I'm trying to table this card yeah. and I don't think it'll be able to work.
1: Or so like going like, my kingdom for a shatter effect or something or, yeah. or, a, or a wrath effect or something. Exactly. You so also that's feel like just part of how we play Like games. somebody like five seats down saying, this got passed? Yeah. And then someone's, or like a developer saying, yeah, why did it get passed?
2: Precisely. <laughs> I mean. Precisely. And yeah, we like to keep records of who passed what. Okay. And and also, you, g- you guys got to take the cube out into the community since it's all real cards and, you know, not not yep. future developed sets. So yep. people in Seattle are lucky enough to go ahead. And we did a lot of stealth playtesting
3: at Star City Seattle and at, uh, okay. at, at some of the Grand Prix in the area. I think GP Portland, whatever it was, we were testing it a little bit. So we did a lot of uh, playtests unknowingly. Uh, I mean, it was pretty formal because we weren't using this list but when I say a play test I mean much more like it informed the type of things that we wanted and you know let us sort of see how players reacted to a lot of these choices.
1: Looks well, like a band when they go out incognito yeah, uh-huh. test a new album out. Right. So some band is like where Jimmy and the vintages or something.
3: Alright <laughs> right, I got time so, for about one more yeah,
0: question. I, I literally actually just looked through the list and I only have two more questions we haven't yeah. sort of glazed over yeah. or... Right, something. well, I'll, I'll take those two. And they're actually... One of them is sort of a, sort of just one card, and yeah. the other one is sort of more of a more a thing. We'll, we'll start with the one card, Channel. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the inclusion of Channel. So here's
3: why I really like Channel, and uh, I, I can't speak for the other part. Here's why I love Channel. Green doesn't get to do that much broken stuff. I wanted to give a card that you had to very much be in green, and it was very bananas, right? And, and when I was talking about assembling two-card combo, it's a really popular one. It was like Channel Eldrazi or Channel Colossus something like that. And, uh, you know, very rarely are there people in decks that Channel can really support. It's hard to sort of autopilot into a Channel deck. Sometimes that is your bond deck. Sometimes it's your tooth and nail deck. But, uh, yeah, we, we wanted a card that, you know, was GG to commit to. But there was tremendous failure. And that's exactly and what And Genesis Wave
0: is a lot like that. Yep. Um, there's a couple other that are in the in the Trinity Green strategy. You really have to be in Green, right. like natural order. Exactly. And they have bananas effects. Yeah. yeah. And Joe yeah, is definitely those bananas of those effects.
3: And it is totally bananas, but it's like look, Green gets to do unfair stuff too. Green is not gonna sit and cast yes. Silk Crawler. Right. While every other yeah. deck gets to do something right. gets yeah. to play, you know, freaking Jason My Sculptor. Exactly. And you'll you'll be shocked that I mean, maybe you won't be shocked, but I have been shocked by how late channel goes around the table. Because it's just it's it's hard to figure out what deck it is. Uh
0: the last one, we were talking earlier about mana rocks. Uh-huh. whereas you were trying to cut down on mana rocks, you are big on mana bugs. What are mana bugs? Mana bugs are one ones oh, for yeah, one, yeah, yeah or one or one ones for two. Yeah. And the one that, that brought it to my attention was the strangest mana bug, which is Orcish Lumberjack.
3: Oh yeah, oh is that kind is strange storm?
0: That- to, to me it seems really strange i don't uh, know if it's strange to anybody else but it's, i, I it's mean I like card it. it's i think definitely that card should be one. in more cubes that card is absolutely
3: insane uh, it turns it, it makes like the red green like like so a lot of cube and i i've done a lot of cube theory and, and thought about this but like because all of the cards are good You want to play the cards that give you the most massive upside. So let's say you're in red-green aggro. Let's say you're in, like, the storm deck with a taiga. Or let's say you're in red with a a stomping ground or something like that. You know, the delta between this and whatever one-one-for-one you're casting in terms of just their attacking and blocking is going to be reasonably small. Like, a one-one-for-one is not exciting, But, like, you know, there's a ton of one-one-for-ones in the cube that, like, just have other abilities. Like, Mancer, Spike Shadow, whatever. The upside of uh, Lumberjack is that you turn one of your lands into better black looks? That is a giant upside. So, like, I, I don't really pass that card very much, because I just might just drop Spectral Force on turn two, or whatever. You know, or and you
1: like... Or Garrick, Final Hunter.
3: Final Hunter. I mean, there's any number of... I mean... Or or something. I mean, there's all this ridiculous stuff that you can do on the second turn of the game after you cast this card. And what's the downside? The downside isn't like you can't play spells. The downside is okay, I played a one one for one. Right. Then I'm still going to attack you. So I mean, to me, Orcish Lumberjack is is a, a really heavy incentive into drafting
0: a, a red green deck. Right. That can just totally win games by itself. Right. If you're if you have like the stunted growth in the plow, and yeah. you open Orcish Lumberjack, yeah. you're like, well, this is happening okay, now. Okay, boy. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. So uh, I, I want to thank uh, Zach Hill for his generous use of his time for answering our questions today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, and for Usman and Eric, I am Ruben This is the end of whatever this podcast is. The, uh, we'll
1: name it later. Yeah, uh, the, the, the Name
0: It Later podcast uh, talking about MTGO Cube, and uh, we'll catch you next time. It was awesome. It was a really good time. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Thank you.